Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 69, The Return of John Van Dusen. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. All right. Kyle, how are you, my friend? Ben, I'm doing as best as I can considering, <laughs> and I feel like we haven't talked much as of late, even though episodes no. have been dropping, but because yep. everything has just been so incredibly hectic lately. Yeah, I think, well, you you are in the middle of some, some, some di- changes beyond what we're all doing right now. Yes, there's yes. that. And um, I can talk about more of that here in a second. Right. But it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit since we, we've dropped some episodes, but this is, we're back recording a live episode tonight. Um, definitely, uh, we're on Facebook live. So hopefully we're, we'll get some people on there. And I guess we should start with, I'm Ben Dixon. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at bdixonnv. And you, my friend? Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech, Instagram Anderson EdTech, and then for my book, To the Edge EDU is the Instagram. Uh, speaking of the book, To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking, available on Amazon. You can learn more about the book at ToTheEdgeEDU.com. And then I've also got my blog that I'm still plugging away at every now and then, AndersonEdTech.net. And because this is the Beer EDU podcast, what do we do on the show? Well, we have a beer. So Ben, That's why don't true. you start us out tonight with what you got? Okay, so I went with Sierra Nevada, and this shocker, shocker, yes. This, uh, so this one though is one I haven't had a lot of. I went with their Sierra Nevada coffee stout, and um, it's a pretty solid stout, um, six point two percent ABV, fifty three IBU. It's one they they infuse it with cold brew coffee, so you get that nice dark chocolate caramel taste. Um, it's it is a it is a sipping beer. It is not a lawnmower beer. Uh, it's a good after dinner. Like I like to call it a dessert beer. That's what I. That's how I see these at. So uh, so it's I, I think it's really good. I mean, um, it's uh, it's it's a solid stout with some good flavors. And you, my friend, what did you go with? Well, real quick before that, I I yeah. will say I I actually I've had that one before. Yeah. It has been a long time. I actually remember one time specifically going to like four different gas stations, seeing if I could find it in in the general vicinity of where I was. And I ended up finding like a winter mix pack from Sierra Nevada that had three bottles of it in there. And those were the first three that I drank out of that pack. So again, it's been a while since I've had it, but I agree. That's a really good one. It's just been a really long time since I've had that one, but you know, that's how I got it was in the mix pack. I've oh, okay. never seen it. Up, I've never seen it up. I've never seen it in Reno as a, as a separate pack. So. Yeah. Now I, think, I don't know if I've ever not like as in a six pack or 12 pack or anything. Yeah. No, it's always been like in a, in a mix pack with some other like yep. darker or like winter style beers. Yep. So, so yeah. What do you got my friend? So I went with also a Sierra Nevada and there's actually a rhyme to that reason here that yes. we'll get into in a little while, but um, I hint, went with, hint the tried and true Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. So this beer is probably 
we were talking about this with our guests before we went live, where if you could only drink one beer for the rest of your life, I actually chose this one yep. and Bell's Two-Hearted Ale as being the ones that if I could only drink one beer the rest of my life, this would be it. So this is probably my favorite of the Sierra Nevada lineup. It's got a lot of pine notes to it, a little bit of citrus. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had many of these in the pool. I've had many of these on ski lifts. While I wouldn't call this a lawnmower beer, it's not so incredibly hoppy and dry in the finish that it couldn't be a lot, lot excuse me, a lawnmower beer. Right. And then, but, but this was kind of cool about it too, is that, um, and I actually found this in my research for our topic tonight, again, hint, hint, that the name of the beer torpedo comes from a special quote unquote invention that came out of Sierra Nevada, their hop torpedo, where what it is, it's a contraption where in order to bring out more of the aromas of the hops, but not necessarily add more bittering to the beer. It's this like torpedo shaped contraption that they created to dry hop the beer. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. So that's that's the name. You're giving a preview of what's to come later. Absolutely. So, (laughs) but uh, 7.2 ABV 65 IBU. So just a, like I said, probably my favorite beer by Sierra Nevada. This is it, this is an excellent one. If I'm at the gas station looking for beer, can't find anything I want, this is what I go to. That is a solid, solid. I would say I would say after the original Pale Ale, that's my my second favorite Sierra Nevada. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So, but, but hey, <laughs> we have a guest. We have a returning guest. A returning guest. We're super excited. Yes, absolutely. So John Van Dusen, yes. who was on episode ten is here to join us again. Yeah, back in the very beginning. And what I remember about that episode, not only the conversation we had with John, but also that was the Carhartt episode. Oh, we were yes, si- we were outside. We were sitting on your porch, on your balcony, because yep. it was the only quiet place in your house at the time. Right. And it was like 20 degrees yep. outside. Yeah. And uh, we could see our breath while we were recording that one. So, yep. I do John, remember. welcome back to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I remember that too because I was down in Milwaukee for uh, the National Guard for duty. For oh, drug. that's right. That's right. You and, were doing that from a hotel room, and your partner right. that you were sharing the room was was back there too. Just kind of like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. And he was yeah he was in Milwaukee looking at us like really you guys are cold it's only twenty degrees you babies <laughs> yeah well th- then there's that too so but yeah that was that was fun though so but yeah again welcome back to the show John so we're excited to have you here again so but just as a refresher for those that didn't listen to episode ten way back when real quick tell us a little bit about yourself so back in episode ten I was actually a STEM teacher here at Kingsford STEM was a separate. Um, special just like art or PE um, Mm -hmm. or music and I would have every student in the building would come to me once a week and we would do STEM uh, for 42 minutes and it was awesome. Uh, Since then I have moved to Kingsford Middle School where I'm teaching eighth grade history which is a huge switch from pre-kindergarten through fifth (laughs) grade like astronomical switch Um, but it is that is kind of my dream job I always say because it's my favorite part of history. I love working with the middle school kids. Um, it puts me at the middle school, which is right across the parking lot from the field house because coaching football is also very important for, for me. And, um, and where I live, I live right across from the football field. So I'm able to walk wow. to work almost every day unless I have a lot to carry or whatnot. So up here in the, uh, in the beautiful upper peninsula of Michigan and love teaching and coaching here at Kingsford. 
Awesome. Right and you, um, on that episode, you had, I remember, Sprecher root beer, but this uh-huh. time you went with a hard beer instead of the <clears throat> root beer. So what do you got? I did. And this comes uh, just down the street here. It's from the 51st State Brewery, which is um, fairly new. It's only been open for a couple of years now. Um, but they do pizza and they do beer. And this is called a Uper Strong. It's a citrus pale ale. ABV, 28 IBU, and uh, I purchased my first growler this past weekend. My wife and I had date night. We got Uper Strong because they're putting some proceeds back to the first responders, and it's definitely a lawnmower beer because we had pizza and an entire growler (laughs) on a little Mario Kart for date night. So I went and refilled the growler today, and that's what I'm drinking. Awesome heard good things about that brewery from not only you but my brother-in-law who lives in the same town that you live in he talks about that place as well so one of these times when i get back to see the in-laws in kingsford iron mountain michigan i'm gonna have to go check that place out hopefully by then it'll actually be open for me to walk into experience fully absolutely and their their pizza they do it in a an oven with the you know the fire that spins the pizzas around inside and you can watch them cook it's it's awesome it's really great kind of old school i like it nice so now, kind of going back to what you were saying about uh, U.S. history in the yeah. middle school, kind of being your dream job. So what what are the roots of that? Uh, kind of talk to us a little bit about going all the way back to where th- this whole idea came for this yeah. being your dream job. So I guess it would have to go back to college and kind of learning all the different types of history that there are, because I majored in, or I minored, sorry, mm-hmm. in math, social studies, and military science, because at that time in Michigan, in order to teach, it had to be your major, your minor in order to get qualified. So I wanted, I actually triple minored um, to be qualified in that. And human geography, I found really interesting, which was, um, it brings me back thinking of Afghanistan about how two tribes can live maybe 15 miles apart as the crow flies, but they've never met each other because of the geography. Um, But then just just looking back into early U.S. history and the founding of this country and how we we were British colonists and you know we basically told Britain we quit we don't want to do this anymore and this incredible exercise in self-governance and the things that led up to that are just incredible if you think of um, like the Boston Tea Party you know we won the war so we can write the history but if you're on the British side you might call that terrorism at the time, you know, literally boarding ships and throwing millions of dollars of, of product produce into the ocean. Like that's just incredible. And then you look at, um, like what, what these people did against the most powerful army on the planet at the time. And they won. And it was all based on this sole purpose of freedom, you know? So just, just that idea and being, a military kid, a Navy brat, mm-hmm. and then being in the military myself, I think, you know, everybody, especially nowadays, it's, it's been kind of crazy. And people are always talking about the constitution, the constitution, the constitution. It's like, well, yeah, but do you know how it came to be? Have you ever read it? Like, right. and just that part of, you know, that's like our roots and where we, where we come from as Americans. And I just find that incredibly powerful. And you know, we're, I was born in 1982, like far removed from that time period. 
and my my eighth graders were born much after that mm -hmm. and to to try to get that basis in there i think is just so important to know where we came from to know you know where we don't want to go again and right. where we should probably head so you make a really good point about having kids understand where that come from and right. understand the history of where this country came from and those documents that really defined the nation at such an early time in our history, because you're right. You mentioned how there's a lot of people out there that will try to say things like constitution, 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 when in a political argument, when that their, their basis isn't usually valid because they're citing parts of the constitution that either don't exist or not, or, or, or not what is truly there. So right. there, there's an incident that took place in uh, Southern Nevada a few years ago where a bunch of people basically took up arms against federal police officers mm -hmm. and there was a standoff over it. And all these protesters were saying like, I have the constitutional right to this federal land and you can't do anything to me. When in all reality, I mean, they're, they're saying constitution, but well, the constitution is the federal supreme law of the land. Right. And right now you're contradicting yourself. So, you know, I understand right. wanting to use the land for different purposes to benefit you and your family, but you're not approaching it the right way right now. So to have somebody so passionate about that era of history, to try to instill that in this age is very important. And what, what you're doing right now is very, very important in my opinion. When I also think, you know, it is the supreme law of the land, but to realize like when you read it, there's some, there's some really odd things in there when you right. put it against 2020 standards, like in there, it says, um, you know, if you're not a white male, you're three fifths of a person, mm -hmm. you know, the three fifths compromise it's written in that document and wasn't right. taken out until it was amended. Um, so I think to know where those origins came from and how they came to be like, you know, the third amendment talks about quartering troops in your house. Mm -hmm. And we think, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Why is it even there until you go right. back and look at the quartering act where the British said, you will put soldiers in your house and you will feed them. You'll give them firewood. You'll give them beer. Right. You know, so all these things, like you look at it and even the bill of rights, you look at James Madison, he thought it was absolutely preposterous that we needed a Bill of Rights, but the people from Massachusetts says, we're not gonna sign it without it. And James Madison's view on it was, how on earth could a free people vote their rights away? Mm -hmm. You know, but you look at it now and you're like, I'm really glad that those people from Massachusetts were, were adamant about right. it. You know? Well, and I think you both, you both speak to this. I think that so, I, I, you always say people love to throw out, throw around, you know, what well, the constitution says, and it's like a very, in my opinion, it's a very surface level understanding of that document and what, but, and, and not just what the document says, but the intent of the document in the, in the time frame that it was written in. And I think that's important for kids to understand when they hear people say these things like, well, the constitution says this, well, okay. The Constitution said that pertaining to this situation. Right. What does that look like now? I mean, and I, I mean, eighth graders are pretty well aware. Do you have kids that are like, you know, they ask you those kind of questions or they kind of want a deeper understanding? I do. And um, I was actually, I was like, I always, our book talks about the Constitution, but it also has it in the back, you know? So right. kids will come at me with stuff and I'm like, 
is that what it really says? Let's look. So I make them switch back and I made them tab out their books. And I was actually, I was able to get these mini constitutions mm -hmm. from our, one of our state representatives. So I got one for every single student and we went through it and we like, like we highlighted stuff and we, you know, we tabbed it out and it, um, the conversations, um, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the conversations they have with me because they will interact with me when I'm in a classroom. Right. But um, this January when our president was being impeached, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like if you watch the news, it was just wild depending on which news station you watched. Um, right. But I had some kids come to me and this was like, I felt so good about this. They would say, my uncle said, you know, X, Y, and Z about this impeachment. And I told him, no, you know, uncle bob you're wrong right and he's like i'm not wrong and they and they would go to the constitution like they would take this <laughs> silly little book home right. and they would show like uncle bob look it says right here the house of representatives does this and the senate does this we're not even there yet right so for for those students to have those types of conversations with older americans mm -hmm. was just <clears throat> like that made me feel awesome. And I told him, you might not like right now you're like, okay, I'll read this because you're telling right. me I have to, but when you're 20, 30, 40 years old, um, maybe it'll, maybe it'll look a little different. And I gave, um, right. I gave an online assignment after the school shut down on the first amendment. And I said, I mm -hmm. want you to talk to three people. One of them has to be over 40 years old. One of them has to be between 20 and 40. And one of them has to be like a teenager. And my whole intent behind that was to get some different perspectives for them right. to get some different perspectives on what the first amendment is, especially here in Michigan. It's, it's been pretty tight with the restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our governor has put some pretty strict lockdowns on in, and, and I got, I kind of got what I wanted where a lot of those students were having conversations with people. You know, the one person is saying we absolutely need to lock down. The governor is mm -hmm. doing exactly the right thing. And somebody else is telling them, no, this is too strict. We need to, you know, we need to be able to have the rights to, to go boating in a, in a boat with a motor. Like that was right. one of the restrictions. So like, I always tell my kids, you need to take all, all the information in and then make your own opinion. Don't take somebody else's opinion until you form your own. So right. yeah, I have had some of those conversations and, and more importantly, those students have had some of those conversations with older Americans, which just, just makes me feel great about being a teacher so another thing that's really beautiful about that document is just how incredibly vague it really is so right. it's so open to interpretation and i mean and it started right right off the bat so i'm sorry that the social studies teacher in me yeah. from you know previously is now going to start to geek out a little bit too so where you had right from the start you had two different factions form out of that strict constructionists and loose constructionists mm -hmm that we're saying like, no, the strict construction that this, what it says is what it says. It is not open to interpretation. It better be in there for you to be able to do it. And that was why Thomas Jefferson really struggled with that over the Louisiana purchase, because it did not specifically say anything about him being able to purchase land. And then the other side of it, the loose constructions are saying, well, no, it's vague. You can interpret things. So you can kind of twist things up a little bit if you have to. And then ultimately that's what that's how Jefferson ended up taking it was like it doesn't say it but it's for the benefit of the country so so let's go ahead and do that so now the whole point uh, I'm trying to make here though is to bring up this question for you is that 
have you talked with your students about how purposely vague that document is and like what it's become based on what it originally was at all? We have had that conversation and to kind of go to to kind of go along with that, you know, everybody complains that our government is always gridlocked. And, you know, we talk about that's, that's kind of by design. Like when it talks about, you know, we talked a lot about impeachment, like they didn't think impeachment was supposed to be something easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, and amendments are the same way. Like they didn't think amending the constitution should be easy to do. That's why it's so difficult. And when you look at the three parties or the three branches of government, like it's gridlocked on purpose because they wanted to make sure that if we enact a law or if we, you know, do something, we want to make sure that it's, it's the right thing to do. So we're going to have all three branches have a piece of the pie here and, uh, and we're going to make it hard on purpose. And uh, I had this talk with one of my fellow teachers. It's like, if you put three people in a room, like you put us three and you say, what's your favorite, what's your favorite beer? Like we're going to have three different answers, but we got to decide on one. Right. And that's kind of how the constitution is set up on purpose. And um, I had another conversation because if you look in, if you look in the wording, like there's a lot of, like it says people of color are three fifths of a person. Mm -hmm. It says the slave trade is protected until 1807. Like it says that right in there, you know, and then you go back to the declaration of independence. It says all men are created equal. So we just said either one, you're not a man or, or two, you're not equal, like one or the other. So the vagueness, like you're talking about, Kyle, is, is a, is a thing of beauty and the ability to amend the constitution, Mm -hmm. to change it, to make it a more perfect union is, is awesome. So we have had those conversations, especially about the, the gridlock that it, that it produces on purpose. Yeah. I mean, it it is frustrating. I mean, but at the same time though, the, the political system that we have today was not envisioned at that time. In fact, George Washington, he started to kind of see the writing on the wall and warned ahead of time, don't get into these factions. It's only going to cause problems. So, so here we are now and we have these political factions or political parties, whatever you want to call them. And we are gridlocked a lot of times. And then you get, different candidates that try to come in outside of that and they don't they don't get the light of day they don't get to see the light of day as a result of the system that we have but but you're absolutely right though like you know you you mentioned amendments and we have 27 amendments total throughout 200 plus years of history 10 of those are the bill of rights that got passed within the first two years so really we've got 17 amendments beyond that and it's it's i'm going to bring up nevada for a second ben can attest to this as well we have our constitution in Nevada is basically they amend it every two years mm-hmm. on elections where the people vote on these different things that go in. Right. So now the Nevada constitution is ridiculous. So they're not just like laws that get passed. They're added to the actual constitution and, and changing the constitution is really hard to do. And especially here in Nevada, unless you, you have to have another vote with the people in order right. to change things. So, so it is a thing of beauty in order to, make it so hard for that to happen to have where so many states have to say you know what let's consider this and then to have the states go back to the states say okay let's approve this now so it's right. it's really hard to do and it's it's really nice that that it happens and while the lawmaking process isn't as cumbersome 
even then though, it still is because if you could just get any law passed all the time, you're going to have laws all over the place. And then they're just going to turn around when the, the balance of power shifts and just get these things pulled and taken away. And it's, you're going to be even more dysfunctional. So it is frustrating at times, but it it's, it's by design, like you said. It is. And it's interesting. You, you mentioned the law because, you know, we have all these, all these state governors are, are handling this, this pandemic in different ways. And you look at, you know, governors that are completely locking their states down to like the nth degree. And then you have governors, like, I think it was the governor of um, North Dakota Mm -hmm. didn't lock down at all. And she just went on and she goes, you know what, you're, you're Americans and I'm going to trust you to do the right thing. And if you look at the numbers, you know, and the numbers are so hard to determine because you look at one news source and it's one way. I mean, it's, it's so wild to even understand what, what even the truth might be. Um, But you're right. And it's, you know, when you look at the constitution, I think you can go, the preamble like lays it right out. And it's like, we're going to be a more perfect union. We're not perfect, but we're going to be more perfect. And we're going to um, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. Like all of those things right. are strung out within that document. And I always tell my students, whenever we get, you know, so crazy with whatever's going on in the world, like go back to that, you know, go back to that. It's kind of like I coach football too. Like you can get crazy with all kinds of formations and mm-hmm. motions and passes and whatever, but like at the end of the day, if you really need something to work, you know, you're going to run your base play, like the play right. you learned on day one, you know, this is kind of the play we learned on day one. And if you always go back to that, you're, you're going to be okay. So, Hey, I, I gotta say like, shout out to Tierney Cahill. Cause she's on Facebook live and she's been posting stuff. So our friend, our friend, Mrs. Cahill. So she was, uh, she's a good friend of mine. Also, if you've, she knows a lot about history. Um, and all I will say is Cahill for Congress. There's a book. You should read it. She'll be super mad that I just put that out there. But um, but she made a great point and she had a great point about like states' rights versus federalism. And I kind of see like like John, like talk to us a little bit about that. Like, where do you see right now in terms of like educating kids? Because we're in this weird time where it is so that is out there right now because you have the federal government saying, oh, you're good. You should be fine. You'll just do this. And then you have states going, no, 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 no. We're doing this. Yeah, well, I think if you look at, if you look at the original timing of, of the Constitution, like it was impossible for states to know what the federal government was doing in mm-hmm. real time. Like right now, I can go on Twitter and see like, a millisecond after it happens, everything, every congressman says, everything, the president, vice president. So when you look at how it was originally intended, I really think it was dependent on the states governing themselves. And you can even break it down like that. I'll use Michigan as an example. The COVID-19 is is pretty darn serious in Detroit. Right. But when you come up here to Dickinson County, it's it's not. Right. You know? The threat is, I'm not making light of, no. of the threat, but, but you have different population centers, clearly. Absolutely. And Detroit should handle it differently right. than Grand Rapids handles it. And they should handle it differently than Alpena handles it. And they should handle it differently than Marquette. You know, so I really think <clears throat> at the end of the day, the, the federal government is there to 
help the states govern themselves and the states are there to help the communities right. govern themselves because this is an experiment in self governance right. and you know we you know there's it's a tough nut to crack because yeah. you have things that are good for the Kingsford Iron Mountain area mm -hmm. things that are good for Michigan things that are good for the United States as a whole and you know you you've got to balance all that out right well, yeah, and I think about it is just it just it. I guess to me, I, I see this moment as so just you you're hearing more about individual states having to tackle these these situations that are that are so different. Like you brought up North Dakota versus like California. I mean, California's right. population is insane. So what they're doing is working for them now. I guess you can make an argument both ways about is that the right thing to do for everybody. I mean, people have their own opinions about that, but I mean, it is, it is very interesting that at this point you're seeing lots of states. They're just like, we got to do, this is what we're going to do. We're doing it <laughs> regardless think, of kind of what they're getting from other people. Exactly. And I think you can use, I, I was listening to a podcast and it was comparing New York city to Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Like New York city has 27,000 square or 27,000 right. people per square mile. Right. Wyoming has 350,000 people yeah. over a hundred square miles. Like it's, it's right. not even close. People are socially distancing just based on the fact that they live right. on our cattle ranch, you know? Right. So, and I think, I think the intent of the constitution was to set up, you know, because you have to look back even a little further, the articles of confederation right. basically said states govern yourselves. You'll be fine which worked out great until, you know, people tried to start a trade and then states got in war with other states. So right. I think the, the federal government was designed to help states govern themselves and take care of, you know, those federal things. So you look at like, even in a school system, like the superintendent probably isn't going to come tell me how I should teach about the Boston Tea Party. Mm -hmm. He absolutely has the right to, but he's got superintendent type things to do and you as a principal you're right. probably not going to go tell little johnny like how to best complete his worksheet like you have right. principal things to do so i i think this hierarchy of government is set up in a i would like to believe in like a servant leadership type role where the federal government's job is to make the state government successful right and the state government's job is to make the local communities as successful that that being us as American right. citizens. So when you're going over these different things with your students, I mean, at that age, they're, they're probably not nearly as opinionated as say older students or adults, but they're starting to form opinions at, mm -hmm. at that point. And they're definitely influenced by their families and their friends' families and the media and right. the community Absolutely. in general, whatever. So when it starts coming to that, how do you handle the, potential for political argument with students that age so the fir the first part of that question is um i have found and this isn't always true but students are pretty much going to align with whatever they're hearing at home right right if their parents are either conservative or liberal they're that's the viewpoint they have they might not even know why mm -hmm. so that's the first part of the question the second part of that is i always talk about we we are absolutely free to attack ideas but we are never okay to attack people so when we're in our classroom somebody will say 
well, I think we should do it this way. You know, somebody will say, well, you're, you know, that's a dumb idea. Right. And it's like, well, hold on. Let's like back off a little bit. And I, I'm, I always ask the question why, like mm -hmm. you want to do it this way. Like you want universal basic income. Tell me why, why do you think that's a good idea? And I try to make them defend their answers. And, and a lot of times they can't because it's just right. something they heard, you know, right. or somebody will say, I think that, and, and that's fine. But I really, I really stress, we don't attack people in this classroom. We're all friends. And the beauty of being an American is we can all be friends and we can all disagree. And then we can all go, you know, to the movies together later because mm -hmm. we have that freedom to do so. Um, and the second thing is uh, I always, like you've got to be able to defend your answer. Mm -hmm. So I have certain beliefs that I try desperately not to share in my classroom. Like if a student comes at me with an idea, I will try to judo it into exactly the opposite idea just to make them think. Mm -hmm. And it's like, defend your answer. Like, why do you think that's a good idea? I'm not saying it's not. I just want to know why you think it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes you see the, the gears grind to a halt and sometimes you see the hamster fall off the wheel. Um, but I think that's when we, we have our best conversations and it might not always fit the lesson plan, but I think some of those conversations about, about how we think about things might be a little more important, you know? And then at the end, we always try to like bring it back to the constitution. Yeah. Like what did those, what did those guys think? Because they, they thought about it for a long time, you know? Well, nice. So and I think you're describing, at least for me, I, th I think you're talking about, it's almost like you have to teach content. So there are standards that you have to cover, but what you're also yep. teaching is civil discourse. Like how do we have a conversation where we don't agree, but we can have a conversation. I think that, that is, especially now, in my opinion, that is, that is as important or more important than the content. Absolutely. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, and you know, John, you and I have had this conversation before and Ben, I believe you and I have had it before right. too about civil discourse and how you, you just don't let that get in the way of relationships yeah. with people. So Ben and you and I, I think tend to be closer aligned yeah. politically right. and philosophically when it comes to right. government and politics than John, you and I are. Right. And, but, and John, I've known you for 20 plus years at this point, Ben, you and I have known each other right. for about five years or whatever. Right. So and we can talk about things and we just, it, it doesn't get in the way of our relationship. So we, we can right. talk to one another. And that's something I think that you need to be able to show students of any age that Absolutely. you can do, because, you know, when you're getting, when students are getting their ideas from home, they're not seeing the opposite side a lot of times. Right. And then sometimes because it's behind closed doors, you're going to see um, Johnny's dad say, you know, so-and-so candidate for running for office right now is an idiot because they're this political party or whatever, right. and yep. they cannot back it up. But if you can have two teachers that, and I'm not saying necessarily that where teachers need to start sharing their politics or, or philosophies, but if, if teachers can display to their students what you're doing, John, where playing the devil's advocate and trying right. to flip the script a little bit, it's instilling that civil discourse skill that so many people in the world are lacking. And, and it's something that I think has always been there, but it's just highlighted so much more now with the ease of access to things right. like social media oh. and, and the 24 seven news cycle, where when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know about too many people's politics or anything. And I didn't hear too many people saying, Oh, well, you're an idiot. Could you believe this? Because 
it, that just wasn't the way you interacted with people face to face. But now with things like Twitter, I mean, I love Twitter education. I love it. I, I don't follow, I don't get into any of the news cycle or right. politics on Twitter because it's just, it's a shouting match and people thumping their chests and yelling. Right. And I don't know if it's because people think they're anonymous with that, or if it's because that's how they really are. I'm not sure, but being a model for our students is it's, it's not only modeling civil discourse, but also just good, citizenship and digital citizenship yeah. at the same time Just being a decent human being there we go yeah, <laughs> yeah. so could have you summed that up in four disagree. words there sorry <laughs> sorry i rambled <laughs> well no and that's you know that's a really good point and um you know the like i'm in the same boat and i was i was just thinking as you were saying it like i love twitter right but sometimes i'll you know i'll see somebody post something and i'll click on it and just like down the rabbit hole and yep. it's like I can't one I can't I can't believe you're actually saying this like I can click I can see a picture of you like I know who you are um but I think if you look back to when the constitution was argued like it was done in total secrecy right you know to the point where like George Washington found some notes left out and he like berated the whole convention like we can't do this and the whole reason is what we're seeing today with the leaks mm-hmm. you know like like there'll be national security advisor notes leaked to the media and then you get two percent of the information and people immediately make Mm -hmm. snap opinions on that and um you know that one that couldn't have happened during the constitutional convention but but it could have got out in the philadelphia area which would have been completely would have completely hijacked the convention Mm -hmm. um but right now it happens and it's global within seconds. And I think that that sometimes completely hijacks people's thinking. And I had this conversation with somebody, I've been having a lot of conversations um, (laughs) where, you know, if you look, if you look at the political spectrum of being left or right, um, you know, depending on which side you are, I, I consider myself way more to the middle than some ideas that I, I feel I need to defend just because, Mm -hmm the Twitter, the Facebook, the media, like they push us further and further away from the middle. And, um, you know, if you're, it becomes an either or like there's no, yes. And and there's no life's not like that. There's no, yeah. I mean, so I agree with you. That's, that is, that is the challenging piece. And like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how, so, so I guess kind of, kind of to lead into kind of what you're doing right what you've been doing in the past and talking to kids about those things how how is that looking now in the in our new reality <laughs> teaching in a box on right. a computer so so to go with your point the either or like the pandemic yeah. is a perfect example like you either believe that the lockdown is great or you want people to die mm-hmm. right or yeah, that was it that's pretty <laughs> right i mean that's like those are my two choices like i don't I think there's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so makes sense. <laughs> right. Um, in Michigan, we are um, kind of like what we were talking before. Like nobody's nobody's going to fail that was passing before. So we're basically doing a lot of re- review and supplemental material. And okay. what I've been doing is I've been recording, recording myself on Zoom. Um, and okay. I try to make the front part you know, kind of funny, like I'll be reading my history book and like, oh, I didn't see you there. I was just reading my history book. Um, 
but I, I've had the kids, the assignment this week was to do a comic um, on the battle at Fort Sumter, like Fort Sumter and Fort Moultrie. And I, I had my coffee mugs up here and I, you know, um, but it's, it's been tough and it's been, right. I feel like the students who you never had to police up in class, they're the ones doing the work. And the ones that you always had to nudge a little bit, like they're the ones that you still have to nudge a little bit. And the kids that you you struggle to get anything out of, um, you're you're struggling to get anything out of. And it's it's hard. Like it's really hard. And it's not just hard for the students, it's hard for the parents. Like you look at if a parent is working from home, that's a full-time job. Yeah. Then they're trying to be a parent. Like that's a full-time job. And now we're asking them to like do the third job. Be a teacher, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's really, really hard. And I think the best way and being on these Twitter chats and stuff and talking with, with you folks has been, been very validating, you know, because you look at, and I have another friend who's an eighth grade teacher and, and she's really upset. Like kids aren't doing her work. Like she wants them to. And it's like, that's not, it's not just specific to you. You know, the weather is right. nicer. This is, like the novelty of doing a zoom meeting has run off, has run its course. Like, yep. like we're just, we're kind of where we're at and we need to do the very best that we can do with what we have and just take these lessons into the fall with us. Right. You know, cause I, I think, I mean, I, th I think we're going to open up in the fall. I really do. If, if, if I had to take a wild stab at it today. So I think we need to take these lessons of how are we engaging kids? Right. You know, what are some kids are absolutely thriving in this environment. Like True. I had my assignment posted at seven this morning by eight thirty. I already had a kid that was done. And his comic strip looked looked awesome. It looked like something you'd pull out of a Marvel or a DC comic. It was amazing. So he's really thriving. So it makes me really kind of rethink how I'm teaching in that maybe right. I should do more of this kind of I don't know if you want to call it self paced or kind of like squishy standard type stuff where it's way more on the student than it is on me. Right. Um, so yeah, that's been, it's been really interesting. Well, I think, I think, I think you, you there's a couple of things and, and you made some great points there. I think one of the things that I, I feel like we can take from this is like, it's not just us in Nevada or you where you are. It is all of us and we're all in this crazy situation. So there's, I don't know. There's some comfort in that. I mean, I, think, I think, I think at Absolutely. this point when, whenever we talked about education and participating in like on Twitter and through all the things that like that I've done and I've done with Kyle is we all, we all teach, but it's all, it looks a little different. It looks a little different wherever you are. I feel like this is like, we're all in the same boat and what's, what are you doing that's working for you that, that I need to be doing. So, so I hope there's some lessons and I do believe this, there'll be some great things like you talked about. What are, what are people going to take out of this? Cause we are going to go back. We're going to go back. And I hope, I hope that we look back and we go, okay, what are the things we did that didn't work and we're not going to do? Cause they didn't work there and they're not, and, and we're realizing they're not working in a classroom face to face with kids. Right. So, well, and the, the one thing I'm really excited for is about 11 months from now, the technology conference season like i really hope <laughs> they're gonna be great oh yeah because it's not just the people in your school who are really good in technology who are presenting it could it could be anybody that person who right. never did technology in their life 
and they were forced to do a Zoom meeting and then they figured out Flipgrid and then they figured out something else. So like, that's what I'm excited for. I think, I think it's really taking our teaching and just like blowing right. it up from what we thought we could be and really expanding our, expanding our expectations of ourselves. I, I, I hope, I hope that's what comes of this. Well, and why does something like Zoom or Google Meet have to disappear? Why can't that be a supplement when we're back in seat again? So I'm already envisioning being, I, I'm not saying I would do it for long hours every night or something like that, but what's to say I don't have like a, an ongoing repeating Zoom call that I turn on from say 6.30 to 7.30, a couple nights a week right. saying, if you need any help, pop on here. I'm at home. I Huge. can give you some, give, yeah. give me some assistance let's, at that let's point. Let's do so. office hours. Let's do office hours in elementary schools. I'm just saying, it's just like high yeah. school. It's like college. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, that's something that I really hope it doesn't go away. And then we, you know, a little bit more lighthearted, we were joking around. We did our beer EDU podcast happy hour a while back. And right. one of the first things we said when we got in there, there's a dozen of us there, some of whom had never met before. And we, one of the first things that I've said was, why did it take a pandemic for us to do a right. distance happy hour? So, cause we had people yeah. from, we had people from Michigan, from Nevada, California, Illinois, Canada, we had Alberta, Canada in the call. That's and right. it was amazing to connect all these people this way. But unfortunately it took a pandemic for that to happen. So I'm hoping that continues as well. Well, and I know Kyle, you can, you can attest to this and Ben, I think you can too, like coaching football. Mm-hmm. If, if I could have a Saturday meeting, like I've always strayed away from Saturday meetings because right. like Saturday is for the kids or right. even like a, like a Monday night, you know, just to go right. over scouting reports or something. There's no reason that I bring the players into the field house. Like why right. would I put them on the road, take them away from their family when they can sit in their room on a zoom call, I can right. share my screen. I can show them all right. the video I want to show them. Like there's no reason yep. certain things for us to be in a, in a building. Right. We don't have to be. Yeah. And it, everybody has huddle. They can watch it from their house. <laughs> right. You know, huddle has been an amazing thing for coaching football. It's a film, right. you know, if, but it, it always helps to watch it with a coach right. or with, with other right. players. Like we can do it just like this. You know, I've, I've had a couple of zoom meetings with my, with my freshman football players. And I was thinking just like Kyle, like what you were saying, there's no reason we don't do this Maybe we do it Thursday night just before the game saying, Hey, you know, this was what we practiced all week. You know, any final questions like, right. You know, like, I think it's really expanding what we think we can do. And, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know, both of you, what are your thoughts on this? I wonder, I wonder is as we move towards this, cause we know, we know, this has to shift education. Just these, mo this, this last chunk of time has to cause some major shifts. And I kind of wonder, I'm like, why are we doing school nine to three? Cause I like, so I think about like all these parents that are going to have to go back to work and they're, they're like either working at home now or they're, or they're, or they're, or they're those parents that are, are on the front lines right now, working in hospitals, things like that. I'm like, so why isn't school now like noon to seven? Because then the parent is home and they can be on a Zoom call to help their kid. I just wonder, I don't know. I'm curious to see if that's, if we start to see a shift that way. I don't know. What do you, I mean, what do you guys I, it's think? A, it's a fair question. And uh, I, I, I honestly, I don't have an answer for that uh, by any means. Um, and if, if you start diving into the logistics of a little bit further, 
you can start looking at school districts are going to be hemorrhaging money here before long because of this shutdown, uh, because state budgets are it's getting budgets. absolutely, yeah. you right. know, ax murdered right now with, with the lack of any economic activity, right. which, you know, again, not advocating for everything, just opening up willy nilly at this point. No. But I mean, it, it's definitely it, the economic impact is going to be felt for years as a result of this. So what's to say that schools don't start shortening up class days or or something like that and turning to this digital format a little bit more as a cost-cutting measure uh, in the short term who knows well and a safety measure too you think about that i i think it's just i think about flipped learning and like and we've all read the books and i remember reading like blended learning and all those and now it's like i just feel like it was everybody was like kind of toying with it and now it was like all right everybody's in the deep end like that's it <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> so a couple thoughts on that. One, I see kind of Kyle to go off what you were saying, maybe schools go four days a week, right in the building, you know, and every Wednesday is virtual or something like that, you know, and, um, you know, thinking about the economics of it, like so many people are working from home right now. Like, how is that going to change just how people do business. And I look at my eighth graders, like by the time they're getting ready to join the workforce, maybe it's, maybe it's, you only do three days a week at the, at the office. And uh, I actually listened to a podcast. It was on procrastination. And it said, this one business said, when you start with us, you start five days a week. If you prove that you're productive, you can go down to four. Um, so it's like, what's to say we don't do that. And then just a little Kingsford history, when we were growing, uh, Ford moved into this area and built a plant and we just, our population exploded here. And Kingsford was actually named after his, I believe his son-in-law, cousin-in-law. Anyways, um, Kingsford High School went to two, two shifts of students. Wow. It went from like seven till one and then one till six. Um, something like that because they had so many students and they didn't have enough right. classrooms. So like it's been done. So what's to say with the social distancing, you know, you have group A and group B. Group A shows up Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Group right. B shows up Tuesday, Thursday. And then the following week they switch. Like, So you're actually talking about a block schedule on steroids, really. You right, know, because I, we have block schedules now where you're only right. seeing your kids every other day. Like you said, right. what's, what's to say you don't do right. that where they physically just don't come in every other day. So that's, sure. that's a, you know, it's an interesting concept to wrap your head around. One, I think, and and John, you alluded to this too. You, you, I've read a couple of things, and I don't remember it was in like where I read it, but they were talking about like businesses where they're where they really are now looking at like why are we having everybody there? Why are we paying for travel across the country? Why That's are cool. we doing these? It's like, wait a minute, can people be productive, you know, without being at work? I mean. I, I go back to like the whole working at home thing. I think I think the novelty of it wore off wore off for me for after about two days. I was like, yeah, that's this is gonna be great. And then I was like, this sucks. <laughs> so well, with, some of the I other cost cutting measures that can take place now that we know we don't right. need, you know, how many thousands of reams of paper where we can get this done without all that paper. So the paper <laughs> budget, you cut you can cut that significantly now because we know it can be done. Oh my God, and my my general budget is like, I'm super, <laughs> I haven't spent anything in the last nine weeks. Yeah, and well, and you know, I think about outside of uh, school, some of the, the little things 
that I hope stick around. Like, for example, when you go to a restaurant right now, like say you go to Burger King, get something, you have to ask them for a packet of ketchup, a straw, whatever it is for safety measures. Like, I like the idea that, you know, there's not a bunch of people touching that stuff now that I don't know about from before. So I'm down with that. But think about like, start thinking about the little things at schools that we can start cutting back on. Okay. Like the paper, um, budget like the office supply budget like paper clips sure. and other things so there's so many little things that we could talk for another two hours probably just on how we can reshape budgets with this whole thing so i mean it's it's unfortunate that it took a pandemic for us to realize the possibilities of all this stuff and and it, my heart goes out to anybody else ever that's affected by this um, right. um in a fashion where they themselves were sick or they lost a loved one as a result of it so my heart really goes out to those people and, and I'm not trying to make light of anything like that, but there's going to be so many good things that come out of this as well. So I just, I had to preface it ahead of time because that, that was going to come across really poorly if I did. Well, no. And I mean, I make jokes about it too, but yeah, I mean, we all know, I think each one of us know people directly affected by this and, and it is, this is, this is unprecedented. You know? Right. So, so you mentioned the paper, like, being the I left the classroom in December 2012 mm-hmm. deployed to Afghanistan did a bunch of full-time army work here in in Michigan and so when I when I had to do assessment I would give paper tests right because right. that's what I knew I had to do I had a system like a right. punch card system I'll probably never do another one like I found I've I've heard of doing it on Google Classroom but now that I've been forced to do it I found that it's so much more efficient for me. I'll probably never go back to a paper test. So I'm saving some of your paper right there, Ben. You're welcome. There we go. Um, but the other thing with, I, I look at my time with the army and, and two points there is there was sometimes I was forced to work from home. Right. Um, either my son was sick or, you know, the water, the sewer guy was coming, whatever. Like I was forced to work from home a couple days a week or maybe one day a week and that did not impact my productivity at all right. when we're forced to do it all the time you're right it's like i'm i'm sick of sitting in my spare bedroom um so the flip side of that coin is there are times where you absolutely have to meet face to face so i have a friend that works um he works remotely three weeks a month and then one week a month he works the office is down in kentucky Mm-hmm. So he's really lucky. He's able to live in Marquette and he has like a bedroom sized office that he's in, um, you know, three days or three weeks a month. And then one week he's down in the office and he goes, that's perfect because that one week in the office, there's so many other things that happen other than work. And then it's that relationship building. Right. So I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm with you, Kyle, like it's heartbreaking and our, our principal lost someone to uh, this uh, uh, but at the same time if you look at the the jump start we're going to get on other things i'm not saying it's worth it by any stretch no no, no it's no. not but it's just it's forced us into being uncomfortable and when we're uncomfortable we right. we learn and expand our capabilities so it's when innovation comes right and, and, and you know just kind of circling the wagon back to how we started this thing up with uh history and everything there's so many times in our history as the human race where tragedy has forced us to learn and we've become better as a result of that and like i said i think that's what's going to happen here as mm-hmm. well when this is all said and done so 
But John, man, it was great to have you again. As always. So yeah, as always. So no, it, it, it's been great having you again. Thank you so much for joining us again. Well, absolutely. I mean, you had said something um, maybe a couple of months ago because yeah. I I started drinking beer again. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, changing jobs has been has been. Uh, you, you can't even compare pre-K STEM class to eighth grade history. Like there isn't even there isn't really two things you can put. It, John, the behavior might be the same. Come on, don't lie to us. <laughs> so every pre-K student who doesn't want to run up and give you a hug is scared of you. <laughs> That's well, okay. There is that. Yeah, you got. And every that. eighth grade student that likes you is considered like weird by their That's friends true. so that is very true <laughs> well on the pre-k kids you don't you don't want them to touch you because they're probably sticky and then yeah. the eighth grade kids it's because they smell and haven't discovered deodorant yet that's true too so true I, so I mean, true yeah, John, you clearly, clearly now you've you've like pretty much uh, guaranteed we need to have you on a third time because we still have Ooh. a bunch of stuff to talk about. So repeat. <laughs> You, you may be the first one. So yep, um, that's true. We had, when we had our 50th anniversary, our 50th episode, geez, 50th anniversary, oh, um, we had some repeaters come on. So, yep. um, but uh, yeah, so we, that may have to happen. So, yes. So now, John, real quick, uh, where can people find you online and what kind of stuff are you putting out for the world to see? So I'm on Twitter and I've been a lot more uh, act active since I've been in quarantine, but it's, um, at Mr. Underscore JVD. Um, and then I've restarted my blog, which I've been pretty excited about. I did a five part series on the Declaration of Independence just to kind of oh. like break it down. And I've started with the Constitution, the first episode or the first post published today, which I'm a little nervous about because it's such a complex document, but I'm trying to break it down. And part of that was inspired by my dad because he's always like, doesn't the Constitution say this? And it's like, well, not really. This is what it says, Dad. So that's at um, that's at mrvandusen.blogspot.com. You just search Mr. Van Dusen. Um, it's on there. So you can, if you go to my Twitter, I post all the time about, hey, check this out, check this out. Um, so I also run our our football program, social media. So if you find Kingsford Fliver Football, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter we have a podcast called the Kingsford Fliver Flash. And I recently started a blog called the Kingsford Fliver Flash. So you can find us all over and it's just, it's about Kingsford football. So it's a pretty small, um, a pretty small group, but it's, I, I think it's interesting. So. Cool. And you're still doing the occasional episode of the STEM teacher podcast, correct? Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I actually, I had a guy contact me um, who kind of wants to take it over. He just started teaching STEM and he's actually he's already interviewed some pretty pretty awesome people and I'll I'll kind of keep it at that but I think I'm actually going to hand it over to him. I have one episode I promised my 8th grade robotics team um that I would do an episode with them but actually I think I'm going to hand the STEM teacher podcast off um to this other gentleman. Um hopefully like a little transition like I said maybe I'll have you on for the first episode and then maybe he has me on for the first one he runs. But I'm going to pass off the STEM teacher podcast. But um, if you're stuck at home and you're looking for stuff to do with your kids, the STEM teacher podcast, you can find it on all your podcasting apps, has a lot of great, great ideas. They're like 10 to 20 minutes of things you can do with your kids at home. Um, I based it basically off what we were doing in STEM class that week. 
but now that I'm not teaching STEM, it's really become, it, it's not as fun anymore. It's, it's more of a, a task right. um, that's easy for me to push off where, where before it was really easy. I had an extra prep on Tuesdays and I had a day of whatever we were doing. So I was, I could talk about it. Um, but yeah, the STEM teacher podcast, you can, you can find that out there. It's on anchor as well. Cool. Well, maybe awesome. now you'll need a history teacher podcast. <laughs> I should. <laughs> so awesome, man. Again, John, it was amazing to have you on. Um, we want to keep the conversation going, you know, share your thoughts um, on our topic tonight. We talked about a bunch of stuff. Um, Kyle, where can they get a hold of us at? Well, we got a couple updates to some contact yeah, info here. So um, email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. That's a new email address. Yes. Uh, ben and I decided that we wanted to look a little more official. So we got oh, us a G Suite account. Got ourselves a G Suite account now. So the $6 a month for that. All right. So, um, but you can still tweet us at beeredupod and hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook, beeredupodcast, all one word. You can follow us on Instagram at beer edu pie, beer edu pod, excuse me. That one. And then um, we got a YouTube channel now. There's nothing on it just yet as of this recording, but if you go to bit.ly slash beer edu YouTube, you can subscribe to our channel. That's where we're going to um, continue the virtual happy hours and we will post the uh, live feeds on that YouTube account at some point. And then we might start sticking um, the episodes up there as video right. files. So you can listen. And then uh, Ben and I have also talked a little bit about doing maybe some uh, reflection type episodes, yep. kind of reminiscent of the boys over at the punk rock classrooms podcast. So yep. uh, thanks for the inspiration of that guys. Yeah. And a little then, extra content. Yeah. And then uh, make sure you're following John at Mr. JVD, yep. Mr. Underscore JVD on Twitter. Uh, voice message using the anchor app we'll put that in the show review us on itunes wherever you're listening that'd be awesome and if you would like to be a guest our website beeredupodcast.com click on the contact and subscription info link and complete the guest form we'll get you on the show yeah yeah we'd love to have you like continue this conversation i'm super excited about the youtube channel i mean i hope we'll have some stuff on there and yeah we definitely want to hear from you and and hit us up if you want to be a guest if you want to talk about education and so, so John, we know you want to stick around for this part because this is the part where we're going to learn about beer. And we teased, we teased a little bit about what Kyle, what you got for us. So please teach us. So, you know, it, it's funny that we've started to come across this more often as we've been doing these. How have we not done this as a topic yet? <laughs> and this is one here where we've talked enough about them. How have we not done this as a topic? But the story of Sierra Nevada. How have we not got free beer? That's what I want to know. Well, that, there's that too. So we, since we plugged so many of them, I actually went back into our list and we have yes. featured um, 13 different Sierra Nevada beers on the podcast, whether it's been one of us or it's been our guest. I think they got to be close. It's got to be them. And then I think probably number two might be Revision. Revision or Lead Dog. One, yeah, one or, or the other. Dog, yep. Yeah. So either one of those Reno locals have been a lot too. So yeah. So a little bit about the, these guys. Um, I got this from their website, SierraNevada.com. And then also the founder has an autobiography called Beyond the Pale, the story of Sierra Nevada. Mm -hmm. That is a really great read. But Ken Grossman founded it. He was um, a home brewer as a teenager in Southern California. He learned from his neighbor. And it's funny, uh, it says on the website, he hid his first brew kit from his mother. So as a teenager. And he ended up moving to Chico, California. 
He opens up a homebrew shop, which the funny thing about that is that at the time, homebrewing was still prohibited by federal law when he that, opened yes. the shop. I was going to say, because I don't, yeah, back then I didn't think you could do it legally. No, it didn't become legal by federal law until 1978. Jimmy okay. Carter signed off on that. So, and he had a five barrel system he put together in 1980. And the first beer he brewed was the Sierra Nevada Stout. Yep. And then a few okay. months later was when the Pale Ale was created and released. And that is like their quintessential flagship beer wow. now. Yeah, so, for sure. But then some of the other big names that you know and love from Sierra Nevada, Celebration in 1981, which... That, yeah, that surprised me. I thought that was a newer beer. I honestly did too. I mean, I don't, I don't remember really seeing that until within the last 10 years, I just kind of wonder if it was just more of a local Chico kind of deal for a long time. So, yeah. and then another I, one that's, yeah. um, I love this one a lot. It, it oh, grew yeah. on me. It was Bigfoot. Yeah. That's a, that's another one that came out in 83. And then throughout the eighties and nineties, the demand and production's growing. The brewery gets expanded a couple of times. And then it got to the point in 2015, they actually opened a new brewery in Mills river, North Carolina, yes. because they, the, the brewery had grown so much and the demand was so high for their beer. They were like, we, we can't get fresh beer across the country quick enough. So they opened up the one in North Carolina. And I didn't realize that because I was in DC and I was at a conference and usually we've talked about this. I always go for like local breweries. If I'm wherever I'm at, I want to taste your local stuff. But I was like floored because I was in a bar and they had Sierra Nevada on tap. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that would, that would explain it. That is why. So, um, so Sierra Nevada, I mean, it's one of the most popular and recognizable brewers in North America at this point across the country, across Canada, really everywhere. They produce a lot of their own power. They've got solar and hydrogen cells on site. And then um, I actually read too that they bought a Tesla power pack to store a lot of their extra power now. They're, they're really good about giving back to the, the community. They, they purchase a lot of their food for their restaurant from local farmers. Um, they had a couple of years ago, they had the resilience, the beer that they brewed yeah. to benefit those affected by the campfire that really devastated Butte County back in 2018. And then they actually shared out the recipe and told brewers around the world, brew this beer, sell it, and uh, donate some proceeds. So that that beer was really all over the place. I believe when I was looking on episode 10, what we had to drink with John that night, we actually had Revisions version of Resilience yeah, that did. night. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so the common examples, we've mentioned Pale Ale, the Torpedo that I've got tonight, the Bigfoot. Then there's the hazy little thing, the hazy IPA that's out there. Stout is still produced using that original recipe. Mm -hmm. So, and then, like I said, uh, they, check out the autobiography by Ken Grossman. Uh, we put a link to it on Amazon in the show notes here. Um, great little read, little quick one there. Tells a story about his life and really how the brewery really grew up. So um, just a, just a fun little story. And uh, if you've never been to the brewery, they got a great tour. I've been on it like 12 times. You go there and then you get to try like eight different beers at yeah. the end of the tour. It's amazing. It is definitely a, a, definitely a worthwhile, if you're in Northern California, it's definitely a place you should hit up. And their restaurant's really good too. So oh, yeah. their, their restaurant ranks highly on my list of uh, brewery restaurants. But then again, we've talked about this before. Have you ever had a bad meal at a brewery? Mm, nope. No, nope, so never, never. no, I, I can only think of one brewery where it wasn't a bad meal. The service was pretty terrible. So that kind of took, took, took it down a notch, but other than that, yeah, if you're, if you're traveling, you find a brewery that their food's going to be all right. Exactly. Right on, man. Yeah. I, I, again, 
I'm not going to say it, but yeah, how I am going to say it. How have we not talked about this before? But <laughs> I mean, that, that is super cool. I, I did not know that much history. I'd heard about the book, um, but it's definitely one I want to check out. Yeah. I have it packed away in a box somewhere. I'll have to find it. And if I do, I'll, uh, I'll float it your way so you can check it out. Right on, right on. All right. Cool. So that puts episode 69 in the can here. So we got episode 70 coming yep. up next. And, uh, we got another really great guest that we already know who it is. And I'm pretty excited about this one too. So, uh, so we got that one coming up. And Hey, I gotta say though, before I go, like there, we had some people on Facebook live. Thank you so much. I mean, shout out to Tierney for Cahill for being on there. She posted some cool stuff. Carol, uh, Stranford, um, Jason Maddock, um, Jason Maddock football coach was my kid's football coach. Great guy. Awesome teacher. And, uh, and, uh, and then some one of my friends from from element middle school, Danny Lubag. Cool. So hey, if you nice. next time when we post, uh, when we record, check us out on Facebook Live. Yeah, absolutely. So and like I said, John, again, thanks for joining us. It's been awesome. So and like Ben said, we'll do yeah. a third one here a few episodes down the road. And listeners, as always, thank you for the support. And until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. Mm-hmm.